Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Wednesday. Hopefully you enjoyed your Independence Day weekend. We are back after a long weekend. I am Steve Dace. Let's just get this out of the way now, in case you think I may have lost my mind. All right. Now you've seen the rest of the story. All right. Here to commemorate Independence Day weekend, the day after. You may hear some strange sounds. Uh, Our AC is broken uh, here uh, in the uh, studio today. Kind of uh, weird. This is the first time that's ever happened in the years. We've been here since, what, 2015? Yeah. First time that's ever happened. Consider that when we finally got to the root of the uh, perennial wasp problem last summer, do you guys remember what yeah. the problem, what the root of the problem was? They were in the AC unit? Yeah, they were in the uh, AC unit, and they, there were six live nests in the AC unit. Six. So when you consider that that has been a haven of wasp, that's, that's kind of been the, the head of the hive mind of wasp activity here on the show, messing around there within the AC unit. Kind of weird that this is the first time this has ever happened. But if there was going to be a day that the AC would break in July, we cut a break. We caught a break. Um, it is barely 70 degrees out there right now. Overcast, not hot at all. It's more stuffy in here than anything else, but we had to get some air circulating. We also don't want Aaron's machines to overheat. So we've got some fans going. Hopefully they don't interfere too much. I'll try not to do the full Tommy boy and speak directly into the fan. All right. Yeah, but, you really uh, can't hear him. I, I can see your hair kind of moving around a little bit. Yeah. So that's about the only effect. You just, that could be my natural weave. Yeah, true. That could be my natural weave. You never know. All right, so it's not not quite as interesting a story as doing cocaine at the White House, but <laughs> nonetheless, indeed. In, indeed, and cocaine is a hell of a drug. And has anybody considered that the cocaine was for Papa Joe for the dementia? Right, it's a hell of a drug. I mean, you 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 need to pick me up. You need a you need to get right, and your brain's operating at about 40% capacity. You need a bump. You know what I'm saying? We all need a bump sometimes, Todd. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about, Todd, right? There's, By the way. <laughs> there's that. There's that. By the way, my name is Steve Dace. Forgot to tell you that. His name is Todd Erzin. His name is Aaron McIntyre. Now, this is how Todd gets his bump with our friends over at Bonner Private Wine. There See what I did there? There it is. Do you like them? Do you like them apples? How was that? Was that good? All right. Uh, these are the outstanding red wines that come from the grapes grown at 9,000 feet of altitude deep in the Andes Mountains by families that have been doing this for a very, very long time. They do it the old vineyard way, not the new factory way. And so you can taste the difference. And now they also offer you a bonus bottle of small batch limited production wine from their exclusive wine cellar. You get these four bottles for the price of three and 50% off on top of that. And 50% off on top of that. And free shipping. You cannot beat it. Free shipping when you're talking about imported wine in particular is a nice bonus. Take advantage of this deal today at bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve. That's bonnerprivatewines.com slash Steve. We did kind of go from um, we've got to get rid of the mean tweets to we restore honor and dignity in the White House by hookers and blow. We did. We kind of went from, you know, I'm not sure that's an upgrade. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what definitions even mean anymore, but I, I kind of think, but maybe that's the old way of thinking. Okay. But in the old way of thinking, hookers and blow worse than mean saying mean things. 
That was that was typically the code of ethics, right? Hookers and blow worse than saying mean things. <laughs> new math, Steve. The new, new math. math. Thank, thank you. That's uh, that's why I'm saying it inquisitively. I don't know what the what what anything is defined by anything these days. Indeed. All right. Coming up on today's show, we will play buy, sell, or hold. Next hour, we'll be joined by the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, as well. At the bottom of this hour, I am going to answer a question I have gotten quite a bit recently, and I do think it's a it's a it's a challenging question. But I think it's one I should be able to answer if I'm going to hold myself to the same standard we hold others. So uh, it's a question I wrestled with yesterday, in fact, in, uh, in preparation for today's show, because I'm getting it more and more. And it's about this presidential primary on the Republican side. So we will discuss that coming up at the bottom of the hour. But before we do all of that, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by the Declaration of Independence. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another, and to assume among the powers of the earth a separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers to such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. When a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it's their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused to assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness of his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. 
He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states. For that purpose, obstructing the laws of naturalization and foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amounts and payment of their salaries. He's erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace, standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He's affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He's combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation for quartering large bodies Bodies of armed troops among us for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefit of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments, for suspending our own legislature and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country to become the executioners of their friends and brethren or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrection amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in our attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and consanguinity. We must therefore acquiesce to the necessity that denounces our separation and hold them, as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown 
and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. I think that is one of the most inspired essays ever written in the history of our species, in the history of written language performed by Homo sapiens. Why did we lead off with that today, other than the occasion of it being the day after Independence Day? I'll discuss that in a moment. Right after I tell you about our friends over at Patriot Mobile. I know a lot of us are yearning for the parallel economy. It is emerging. It's just not emerging as as swiftly as we had hoped. Thankfully, one place where it has fully emerged is when it comes to a device we all need uh, in this day and age, which... I forgot at my house today, <laughs> my mobile phone. All right. And we all have to use one of these in modern society. That is why you can now, if you've yet to do so, make the switch to America's only American mobile phone provider. Uh, give your money to a company that does not hate you, is not working against your values, but working in accordance with them. Instead, they've got an outstanding customer service team. You can make the switch at any point in time to one of the three major networks free of charge when you are a member. Of Patriot Mobile. You move to a place where the signal's not as good on one network as another. You need to make that switch. You can do so with Patriot Mobile. Uh, you want to make that switch today? If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you go to make the switch. They've got extra ways to say thank you to you. For the rest of us, you can get a free activation with the offer code Steve. Offer code Steve for a free activation when you make the switch today to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Again, PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. Or you can call them at 8 8- Seven eight Patriot. That's eight seven eight Patriot. We have a tradition on this show that uh, really goes back to my very first year doing this full time in two thousand and six, and I have I have done a special Independence Day show every year ever since. Last year, you know, I it was it was hard. It was the hardest by far to pull that off just simply because of what my my country had tried to do to me over the last couple of years. And this will probably shock all of you. I don't do contrivance very well. Like small talk, nice for the sake of being nice, um, you know, fake worship at church, okay? I, I, I'm just... I don't, I don't do contrivance very well. Okay. So, um, last year for the first time, it felt like it was kind of contrived. Like I didn't want to let go of the tradition of it, the history of it and did it in spite of the reality of where we currently are right now. This year, what happened is we were sitting here Friday. I think it was Friday. Right before we, right before the show started, yeah. And normally we plan this thing out a week or two in advance. We have conversations about it. You know, we it gets changed up, but there are some staples. I do the story of Caesar Rodney every year. Uh, we 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 do the performance of John Adams every year, 
And we were sitting here Friday before the show, you know, getting ready for the show. And I looked at you guys and I said, man, we totally forgot about the Independence Day show. What are we going to do? And I, I, I mean, I think that just, that spoke volumes to me. That we just forgot. We, we didn't say we weren't going to do it. We didn't say we were. We, we just forgot. Our, our colleague, Oran McIntyre, had me on his podcast on Monday when we were off. And he asked me about something he has seen me say on social media in the last several months that, you know, I don't know that we need to save this country as much as defeat it, you know, given what it, it's become and what it represents. And I mentioned to him, I am struggling with my, uh, you know, we're America, suck it, child of the 80s kind of perspective, you know. My jingoism is dead, you know, and, and I thought he made a very important distinction between there's the republic we were founded to be and all the things that it still represents because they're eternal. And then there's the empire that we have become. And uh, I thought that was an important distinction. And so today I asked Aaron to, especially because there wasn't any other real major breaking news from over the weekend. I mean, really, the, the number one narrative from over the weekend is Whose blow was it? Who brought the Coke into the White House? Really, that's the number one story of the weekend, you know? And, and so I asked Aaron um, if he would lead off the show today with the reading of the Declaration of Independence. Because I want to make sure we commemorate it in some way, because this is still the greatest country on earth, but I think that is more of a statement of the condition of the rest of the earth than the standalone exceptionalism of this current iteration of America. Nevertheless, I, I would still rather live here than anywhere else on earth. And there is no close second. And that's why I live here, you know? Um, but, but for me, that's more a matter of, of, I can live a more convenient life here than I can live just about anywhere else more so than it's about the the creeds that America was founded on. And I wanted to make a point about the Declaration of Independence that I, I that has been made in other ways by other people. But I want to connect some dots because I think it will also demonstrate what's happened to us and the, the cultural hijacking that we have been subjected to in the last generation. So we, we have this ongoing, you're an insurrectionist narrative out of January 6th, right? Okay. The reality is that the Declaration of Independence was an announcement of secession. It was a divorce decree. Englishmen announcing they will no longer be subjects of the British crown. And they will instead secede. They will secede from, the, from England and will declare themselves a free and independent conglomeration of states. That was an act of secession. They understood because one of the, one of the things that had led to this moment, which occurred actually before the declaration in 1775, was the British attempting to confiscate their weapons. And that's what led to the events of Lexington and Concord. So they understood that this would not be a philosophical 
exercise. That this would this would be this would have to be confirmed by blood. They they knew this. They'd already experienced it. They had already been told via the Quartering Act that they were going to have to house Redcoats in their homes. They had already had the Redcoats attempt to confiscate the weapons of the Minutemen. So they understood that this was, and, and if you listen to the, what Aaron read there, they even point out, we, we, originally ex, we originally entertained that this would be a philosophical enter, exercise and we were rebuked. And so now we understand what this means. We, we understand that this will be viewed as a declaration of war. They announced an armed insurrection, the most successful armed insurrection ever. So if you're being accused of being an insurrectionist, congratulations. You are in the grand tradition of those who founded the country, in fact. Good company. Yes. Fifty-six men signed the Declaration of Independence 247 years ago yesterday. Of those 56 men... 24 of them were lawyers or judges. Almost half. Lawyers or judges. 11 of them were merchants. Nine were large plantation owners. So that would mean doing some quick math, 54 of the 56 men who signed that document were of the elites of colonial society we're pre-industrial revolution the concept of a middle class has not taken root in western civilization yet we we are pre-adam smith and so i mean the idea that all right i'm going to graduate with a very with a basic you know generic education know the stuff that i need to know the fundamentals you know reading writing and arithmetic get a job working at the factory down the road or the meatpacking plant or the construction crew make a good enough living that i can support a family my wife can raise our kids and maybe you know that then my then pass it on and my my sons and daughters can do better than that that was that was the social compact of the american dream internally for for centuries none of that has been established yet there's really two classes three if you count slaves, there's slaves, and then there are people that are some form of indentured servant, worker bee, and then there's elites. 54 of these 56 men were elites. Wealthy men and men of status. And I think this goes unsaid too often. That is perhaps the greatest miracle of the American Revolution. For perhaps the first time in human history... An insurgency, an uprising, was actually led by the learned men, the men of status. They were the ones that that led the uprising against authoritarianism. Typically, throughout human history, the reason why Marx found an audience is because his read of human history is not completely wrong. It's incomplete. And those are two different things. His reading of human history is not completely wrong. It is incomplete. He begins from the premise right away, the dismissing of God, of the biblical narrative, the redemptive plan, the sinfulness of human beings. And so therefore his worldview is incomplete. But the reality is, in pretty much every society ever, 
the elites were in on the authoritarianism. Either they were the authoritarians themselves, or it provided them necessary comfort that rebelling against it just, you know, it, it, was, it, it, it exceeded the grief to profit ratio. So they would look the other way. They'd enable it. I think this may be the greatest miracle of our revolution. Our elites rebelled, were the, were the ones who led this, knowing in advance that it would be on their lands that this blood would be spilled. It would be their property that was destroyed. Their wealth that would be risked. Lives, fortunes, sacred yeah, honor. Yes, it, this isn't a, a CCR song. That it would be their sons who would not be the fortunate sons who would avoid going to Vietnam. It would be their sons who would be on their farms, on the lands that they intended to hand to their sons. The wealth they intended to hand to their sons, that it would be their sons on those lands fighting, bleeding, and dying and destroying that property in order to risk this higher point. That, that's unique. And maybe nothing like that has happened in all of human history. Why? Because they had been educated for the last several generations with a knowledge base. You hear me talk sometimes about the epistemological nuclear winner we are in in America. And we were even just joking at the top of the show. We don't even know what anything means anymore, right? They were educated with a knowledge base. The democratization of knowledge. The scriptures printed in native languages, including English. In fact, they were debating with the king which version of the English-speaking Bible they thought was more accurate. The King James or the Geneva Bible. So we had the democratization of information. The seeking of philosophical, critical thinking through men like Locke and Hobbes, and they weren't right about everything, but they asked all the right questions. They didn't come up with all the right answers either, but they asked all the right questions. So the level of critical thinking there undergirded by an ultimate code, an ultimate ethic, an ultimate morality. That even if they could not live it out themselves, as I pointed out, several of them that voted that all men were created equal went home to their slaves, including the man who wrote that language, Thomas Jefferson. But they all understood that that code had to be inherent to any form of a free society. Otherwise, they would preternaturally fulfill the words that Orwell would not write for 200 more years. And they looked from man to pig and pig to man and back to pig again, and they couldn't tell the difference. That there had to be a higher standard, even if they themselves weren't necessarily all that keen on living up to it in their own individual lives in every case. But collectively, they understood that standard had to be installed. And they called it, they named it, in fact, the laws of nature and nature's God. The knowledge they were educated and inspired with made them see beyond their own comfort and station. They would have started firing long before it ever got to the things have ever gotten to the point that they have here. And in many cases, their station and comfort was superior to the wider population. And yet they saw beyond that. And it made them true leaders, true leaders. And it's why today our authoritarian elites no longer permit the public to be educated like that. That's why. Why are you educated in like idiocracy? You're just, uh, you're just a boy who can shave stumbling in between random ejaculate. You're just a random ejaculator. That's all you are.
Just a random ejaculator. No other purpose. Often just randomly ejaculating most of the time with your own hand. No other purpose whatsoever. I'm not here for any other reason. I'm a woman with uh, 17 shades of color in my hair. I've let dozens of men fondle me, molest me, basically. And I come home alone to a house I have to clean after working 40 plus hours a week to show I can do everything a man can do. They, they, They want you educated into those lies instead. Because those things will have you craving comfort. Craving it. Addicted to it. Because those ways of living suck. They lack purpose. They lack mission. They lack meaning. And you'll look for comfort. You'll look to be self-medicated to escape it. These men set their comfort aside. And went all in. At history's poker table. With the weakest hand everybody's ever, anybody's ever gone in all in before. And then they did the flop. And then we got to the river and came up aces. And we got to celebrate 247 years of a birthday yesterday because they did that. We are in serious risk as a country of, of not celebrating too many more birthdays because we won't. And that's the point that I wanted to make at the top of the show today. When we come back, a question that is a challenging question to me and I think legitimate and I therefore I believe I should have to answer it. I will do my best to do so when we return. The standoff at the border is heating up between Texas Governor Greg Abbott and the federal government. Politicians will never let a crisis go to waste. We have been invaded. The crisis is being used by Republicans as a photo op by the Democrats to expand their voting base. More than 85% of everybody reaching the border is coming in. That's the definition of an open border. Just down the road, you can get in no problem, no Humvees, no farm guards. What people don't realize is there's a way around everything. The Blaze Originals team traveled to the Texas border, ground zero of the most controversial news story of 2024. With some experts estimating over 4 million border crossings in 2023 alone, we embedded with the Take Our Border Back convoy to investigate. What if the entire narrative you thought you knew was a lie? Go watch the real story of Texas versus the feds and how the elites use the border crisis against us by visiting realbordercrisis.com and use code TEXAS for $30 off an annual subscription to Blaze TV. Did you know that about 60% of all pork, which we're going to grill a lot of this time of year, that comes, uh, that is uh, utilized here in the U.S., is owned by a company that has Chinese ownership? I mean, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, I mean, I think we have all recognized the last few years. What a tremendous blessing. The partnership between our elites and the Shycoms has been truly for all of us. You could say it's touched every single one of us. Takes a village, Steve. Indeed it does. Okay. Here's what you can do about it. Go to our friends over at Moink. All right. M-O-I-N-K. Moink. Delivering grass-fed beef, grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, 
sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight from your door or straight to your door from family farmers, family fishermen that have been doing it the way and, and feeding us the way that our grandparents and previous generations ate. As a result, their meat tastes like it should because the family farmer simply does it better. You can taste the moink difference right now. Anywhere from ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops to salmon fillets and so much more. Plus, you can cancel anytime. Anytime. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash Steve. Moinkbox, M-O-I-N-K, moinkbox.com slash Steve. And you'll get free ground beef for a year when you do. Free ground beef for a year at moinkbox.com slash Steve. Again, that's moinkbox.com slash Steve. Okay. So... I do my best. I'm human. I'm a sinner. I'm imperfect. So I don't, I don't do probably that good of a job of it, but I, I do try to be so, as self-aware as I can. And I, I do try to, uh, to hold myself to the standard on our show that we will hold others. And a question I've been getting about more frequently as more and more polling shows, Donald Trump has, um, essentially a, uh, a lunar landing level of lead in the polls, is there's a lot of, there, I don't want to say a lot, let me not overstate state it. There, there, is a, there is a growing voice of people in the audience um, who are saying things to me like, if the shoe is on the other foot, you'd say this thing is done, um, uh, time to move on, um, what's your justification for uh, continuing to make it seem as if uh, this is still happening, still competitive, um, those kinds of questions. And I, I think they're valuable or I think they're valid questions. I do. Uh, and I think I should answer. Them. So I had time yesterday to do so, to dig into this. And you got to remember, you're talking to somebody who keeps files on this stuff. Like I could go back into my files if I had time and show you each election cycle, which of the last several, which pollsters have been the most accurate, which ones have not. I mean, I, I keep files of these things. And I went and looked at past primary polling in other cycles on July 4th of that contested cycle. Here's what I found. On July 4th, 2015, this was the real clear politics national polling average of the Republican presidential primary. Jeb Bush in first place at 16% didn't win a single state. Scott Walker in second place at 10% didn't win a single state, dropped out before Halloween. Uh, ben Carson uh, and Marco Rubio tied in third place at 9%. Ben Carson didn't win a single state. Marco Rubio won a couple. Rand Paul, Mike Huckabee tied next at 8%. Neither won a single state. Both dropped out after Iowa. Donald Trump, the eventual nominee at 6%. And Ted Cruz, who is the runner-up at 5%. So the two guys who ended up winning about 75% of the, of the votes in the delegates. In, or about 70% of the votes in the delegates in that primary cycle on July 4th, 2015, were in uh, first, second... Uh, fourth, sixth, seventh, and eighth place in the real clear politics polling average. But maybe that's an outlier. 
So I went to the uh, the next contested cycle. Why am I ruling out 2020 with the Democrats? Because it was a COVID cycle. Who knows? You'll find whether I get whether I'm doing sports, you know, analytics. I'm all data from 2020. I am essentially not counting as legitimate because of it was a unique era with COVID and you're seeing teams like Indiana that had historically great seasons in 2020 and now the coach is about to get fired okay I I just don't know how valuable any data from 2020 is all right so 2008 Democrat national primary polling on July 4th 2007 Hillary Clinton had a 14 point lead over Barack Obama same cycle on the Republican side here was the RCP national GOP polling average on July 4th, 2007. Rudy Giuliani in first place at 26% didn't win a single state. Fred Thompson, second at 19%, didn't win a single state. John McCain, third at 16%, won the nomination. Mitt Romney next at uh, 10%, won a few states. Mike Huckabee in fifth place at 2%, he was the runner-up. Okay, but, you know, so polls don't necessarily have an accurate track record of where, national polls don't necessarily have an accurate track record of where things stand. You know, six to seven months, depending on when the Iowa caucuses were in those cycles. Six to seven months out, fair. What about closer to the Iowa caucuses? Like, what would you guys say is a pretty good date to pick? How about the day before? Think the day before is a good day to pick? I think we're close. Okay. So I did that. I went and looked, not knowing what was going to happen. I went in and looked. This was the Real Clear Politics. These are all numbers from the Real Clear T- Politics national primary polling average the day before the Iowa caucuses took place in that cycle. The day before, Rudy Giuliani had the, had the lead in the RCP polling average at 20% in 2008. The next day in the Iowa caucuses, he finished sixth with 4%. On the Democratic side, the day before the Iowa caucuses, Hillary Clinton held a 22-point lead in the RCP national polling average. The next day, she finished third in Iowa. 22 points. In other words, her lead was demonstrably bigger than, than it was on July 4th. The next day, she finished third in Iowa. On the Republican side in 2016, the day before the 2016 Iowa caucuses, Donald Trump held a 16-point lead over Ted Cruz in the RCP national polling average. The next day, um, he lost to Cruz by three and a half points. There, there's, there simply is no record of reliability when it comes to national primary polling in terms of the reflection of what will happen once people start voting. Even, even, even if... You can say, well, Trump led the national polls in 2016 at that point and went on to be the nominee. True. But once we started voting, his lead was actually not as insurmountable amongst people actually voting as it appeared to be in the polls. So either they don't even have the right leaders or they have way overestimated the support of said leaders. They're just not reliable on any level historically. Is it possible they're reliable this time? Sure. That's why I look at this cycle by cycle. In the 2020 presidential election, mainstream corporate media polling was terrible. It was off by an average well outside the RCP or well outside the margin for error. In the 2022 midterm elections, mainstream corporate media polling was pretty accurate, actually. So that actually, in fact, if you want to go with that, you're reinforcing my point here. That 
cycle to cycle that does change how accurate they are and yet cycle to cycle we're seeing here they're inaccurate you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's just very difficult why because primaries are lower turnout elections and it's hard to figure out and pinpoint who will actually show up to vote it's just hard to do that it's hard to know but let's move beyond polling if and i ask myself a simple question If it weren't for public polling, could I find any other data out there that would indicate that Donald Trump has a commanding lead in this primary? In other words, I I did what I did with COVID. I asked myself, other than the data that's being shown to me by media that hates me and is trying to kill the Trump presidency with this virus, is there any other data I could find that would reinforce that the narrative they're selling me is the accurate one? So I started looking at data from other countries who don't give a rip whether Donald Trump wins the next election or not. Right. Yep. We looked at Sweden. We looked at the Dutch had the great data and it just completely was different than what we were being sold. Remember those days? I do. So I did the same thing here because I do think I'm not saying it's happening, but I, I do think it is possible that part of the polling narrative is a, is a psyop. I mean, if you look at it, 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 it's so obvious that maybe they haven't even thought of it. But it seems to me the obvious play here is you try to time Trump's convictions for after he's the nominee. And, and you keep timing these, 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 these indictments to boost his stock in the primary. And so I went and looked at that, by the way. And you know what I found? The trend line from March to now, when the legal problems became prevalent with the grand jury in Manhattan, Trump's poll numbers in in the public polling have skyrocketed since March. He's been on a he's been on a three month soaring uptick that has directly coincided with when it became obvious that they were going to use the law lawfare to persecute him. And people have rallied him. And I don't even have a problem with that. Like if you want to donate to you want to donate to Trump's campaign and, and, and pay for his legal fees. I don't have a problem with that. The dude. I mean, because why does he have these legal fees? Why does Trump have legal fees? If he's just another rich guy that paid off a porn star, would, would anybody, be, anybody be going no. after him? They're going after him because he's the rich guy that paid off a porn star, but also overturned Roe and moved the Jerusalem embassy. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Because he represents you. So I have no problem at all, man, if you want to pay off his legal bills because he only has them because of the stuff he's done for you. I just think he should be up front that, he, that they're going to do that. You know, they should be up front. But if, but, but I, dude, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even ruling out the idea that I'd donate to a Trump legal defense fund, given, given what its source is about. But there's a direct correlation in the trend line of his national polling with the onslaught of all of this uh, lawfare persecution against him. So I went and looked. Are there other metrics I could find that would demonstrate that Donald Trump has an insurmountable commanding lead and we're all just wasting our time? I looked at Google Analytics. We can compare trends. Okay, and in the last week since the, the, the legal news of the latest indictment in Miami has simmered down, actually Google trends for uh, Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump are almost exactly even. They're pretty close. I looked at a couple of other Google trends I, I, in the last week. Why did I look at the last week? Because if I go to the week prior with all the legal information all the legal persecution he's facing, that's going to dominate every headline, right? Mm-hmm. So what, it, what if, it, if, if they're not trying to persecute him legally, what do the trend lines look like? And they're pretty even, actually. I looked at the fundraising quarterly reports. 
the first quarter is is in, is in particular an in, in important piece of evidence because Ron DeSantis isn't a declared candidate yet. In the first quarter, Trump needed the $8 million that he raised in like the 48 hours after the indictment or the 48 hours leading up to the indictment. Remember, he went out on a Saturday and leaked that they were going to indict him and they indicted him on March 31st, which was the last day of the quarterly of the quarter. So why would Trump leak that they, he was going to be indicted um, two days before because he knew he'd raise money off of it? And in fact, if it weren't for that eight million dollars or so that Trump raised in that 48 hour period, he would have he finished with 14 million dollars in that quarterly reporting period. Vivek Ramaswamy raised 11. Translation, Donald Trump was going to raise less money than Vivek Ramaswamy in the first quarter, if not for D.A. Bragg in New York City. Okay, That's a yo. That's a yo. He was maybe going to raise less money than Nikki Haley. She was at eight and a half million. It was going to be close. That's a yo. Now, the second quarter just ended on June 30th. We'll be getting these reports later on in this month. We'll have DeSantis's statement. We'll be able to see what he's raised. We'll be able to see what Trump has done with another indictment to, to buoy his prospects and, and, getting, and getting people to rally behind him. But in the first quarter, if, if Donald Trump had not been indicted, folks... He was going to raise less money than Vivek Ramaswamy and maybe less money than Nikki Haley. Can you imagine what the story would be with that? He needed that indictment. So could you reasonably say that the reason that Donald Trump reported for that for that indictment and did not take Ron DeSantis's offer to not have not to not permit him to be extradited out of Florida was because he needed to. He needed the fundraiser. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the mind of Donald Trump. I've, I got out of the Donald Trump psychoanalyst analysis business many moons ago. But what I can tell you is if not for that indictment, Donald Trump was going to raise less money than Vivek Ramaswamy in the first quarter and maybe less money than Nikki Haley. That is true. Whatever his motivations were for showing up, I don't know the answer to that. And then I looked at just something even more basic. I mean, is it fair to say Carrie Lake, whom we all adored during the last election cycle, and we all think they stole the election from her, right? Yeah. Is it fair to say that Carrie Lake is the closest thing we have right now to a first lady of MAGA? Oh. I mean, she's around yeah. Trump more than Melania is at this point, or at least in public anyway, right? Yes. So she's kind of the first lady of, of MAGA at the moment. Well, she released a book last Tuesday. Yesterday, it was 555th on Amazon. To put that in perspective, um, when Daniel and I released Rise of the Fourth Reich, its first week, we broke into the top 50 overall on Amazon. To put that into further perspective, Ron DeSantis' book that was released on February 18th is still 124th overall on Amazon. Like 400 spots ahead of Carrie Lake. Five months after its release. I mean, you would think she'd have, she would have access to all the Trump mailing lists and everything else to market her book to, Right. You would think so. In short, I could not come up with another single piece of data, and I spent hours yesterday looking. I, I could not come up with another single piece of data that indicated Donald Trump had some insurmountable commanding lead in this primary other than public polling. So can I sit here and say today that the public polling is wrong? No. Can I sit here and say today that the public polling is right? No. But what I can say today is, until you give me a piece of data other than public polling, I'm going to go with what the rest of the data says 
which is that this is very competitive and a lot of people still haven't made up their minds yet. Gentlemen, you have any quick thoughts? Is it possible that this thing is already figured out one of two ways for Donald Trump? Either the obvious to him is true that he's going to win this nomination or he's banking but had to do a test first to make sure that DeSantis is the real deal. So he has enough leverage ultimately, though, to bargain with him by being in the race, opening up the road for him. My, I, I just don't believe Trump ever has ever conducted any level of that sort of discernment or chess or strategy. I don't think there's any evidence of it. So I'm not saying he's it also, didn't happen, but this would be the first time that it, that it has. He's also never had prison, like you say. On the- That's true, too. Which goes back to my premise. There's just a lot we don't know. So let's let it play out. All right, back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace. People are asking me because they missed it at the top of the show. What in the Sam Hill are you wearing today? Well, Paul Harvey. You can see this at the top, right? See it at the top. Looks ominous at the top, doesn't it, Todd? It looks ominous. Looks sketchy. It does. What kind of July 4th did you have, brother? And then we get to the, we get to the rest of the story. And you can see now what's at the bottom. All right. Let's get Biden to quit. All right. LGBTQ. Tough but fair. Let's get Biden to quit. All right. So that's what I'm wearing today. A lot of people asking, just tuned in, trying to figure out what happened to my man. Exactly. As you just said, Todd, what kind of weekend did you just have? Well, we're hanging out at the White House. Never mind. Uh, let's, uh, let's get to it. Hour two. Uh, brought to you by our friends over on Raycon. Uh, if you're not going on vacation... Summer's still a great time for a vacation state of mind. Take those long walks. I love to do that on Saturdays. Listen to your favorite podcast, present company, excluded, of course. You get enough of us on Monday through Friday, right? And so with so much going on and you want the best earbuds out there when you go to work out or you go for that long summer walk, Raycons are the best to listen to. Earbud tap functions toggling between three customizable sound profiles. They're the best uh, noise cancellation and isolation of any earbuds I've, I've tried. Um, 32-hour battery life, including eight hours of playtime. You can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really long time. And they start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good, and they come with a 45-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. All right? Create your own soundtrack with Raycon right now. Get 15% off. There, your Raycon order when you go to buy Raycon, R A Y C O N, R A Y C O N, and as in Nancy, Raycon.com slash Steve. 15% off your order at Raycon.com slash Steve. Let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. You can like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. Look for me as well. And you got to look hard. On Truth Social, 
at Real Steve Dace there. Those of you that listen to the podcast, thank you very much. Please, if you have yet to do this, leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow if you're on iTunes. And uh, thank you to all of you that have done those two things for us already. Let us go now to one of our most popular segments each week. Buy, sell, or hold. This is where you take control of the show Aaron with help from you his friends comes up with a series of propositions that Todd you and I will discover or or consider by uh, choosing to buy them to sell them once however per episode you are never permitted to use hold if you do you have punked out you have violated the dude code by refusing to take a stand and you see that uh, meme over the weekend of uh, Lindsey Graham in the uh, in the race car jumpsuit with all the lobbyist uh, yes notice they didn't have the Drug cartels for his open borders or uh, or grinder on there. They they were missing a couple of his advertisers. Anyway, if you use if you invoke hold, you're gonna zip Lindsay up. You're zipping him up. No, that's your job. You'll be zipping him up. No, no. We'll I'd, get through as many of the. Go ahead. I'd rather wear that T-shirt in the middle of uh, Pride Parade. <laughs> we'll we'll get through as many of these as we possibly can, and then um, the rest. We will discuss in overtime for Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace, which is also where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber for just $10 a month. Blazetv.com slash dace. Aaron, you may fire when ready. We will begin with a spicy one from Wesley D's Twitter talk show and Clown Emporium, who has this. Raising a child in a blue state is child abuse. That's way too over the top. I'm going to sell. I do think it is a risky proposition of your child being taken away from you if you refuse to abuse them. But that's 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 way over the top. I'm going to sell. And that kind of reminds me. And I'm a firm believer in homeschooling. I I can't believe in any more than my own children were all homeschooled. But the idea that that's the only possible process, you don't love your child as much as someone else does if they don't kind of strikes me as that a little bit. And so I'm just going to reflexively sell uh, on that, just on principle. I will sell, but I thought long and hard about buying for the reason of, uh, we, we don't do rhetorical flourish often on this show, but in this case, rhetorical flourish is might be necessary as the proper wake-up call to realize that you're a lot closer to this in those states than many of you perhaps care or realize. I will still sell for the reason Steve said. Say when says DeSantis and Trump will be two and two going into Super Tuesday. So what is all of this about California moving to Super Tuesday and doing proportional allotment of their delegates? Have you read much on on that this week? Yeah, I'm aware of what they are considering doing. Um, RNC rules are... And these have been, I think this has been a rule, if I remember right, for the last several cycles, is you can't have a winner-take-all primary early in the process. That, it, that I think it's, and, and I don't know what the date is, maybe it is Super Tuesday, but if you, um, if you went in January or February, you had to do um, proportional delegates. And um, so California, trying to make itself more relevant is attempting is considering moving its primary up to super tuesday you know when you and i were growing up that was kind of always the decisive primary it was usually like in may or june um 
and uh, but they want to move to maybe as early as Super Tuesday, which would cause them to now not be a winner-take-all primary, but it would be proportional. And given the size of California and the amount of delegates there, I mean, you could that. I mean, second place in California could be f- a fairly delegate-rich proposition. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you could you could absolutely end up with more do- delegates in California finishing second than you could if you swept every precinct of Iowa and New Hampshire, for example. Okay, so yeah, that's a conversation that's being had right now on the Republican side. Um, I'm, I'm going to sell because I just think there's too many variables. Yes. There's too many variables. I mean, we have, let me just give you one and it's not nuts. It's not nuts. Eileen Cannon has not ruled on the continuation. So the feds are trying to delay that trial from August to later. They actually filed for the continuation to now they want to try to, you know, game theory it out and try to time it so that they can do and inflict as much damage politically on us as possible. Well, they filed that continuation like a, over a week ago. The judge has not granted that continuance yet. She's not ruled on it. So as of right now, sitting here on July 5th, we're going to trial on August 14th. Now, do I think there will be a trial of Donald Trump over the documents case in the U.S. District Court in Miami-Dade on August the 14th? No. But do I think it's 100% that there won't be one? No. I don't. I think there's probably 10, 15, to maybe 20% chance that there will be. Still not great odds. I mean, I wouldn't bet it. But that is a hell of a chance to take when you're asking me to make a projection on something that's eight months down the pike. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't... That, that, that's, that's just... But that, and that's just one variable. Here's another variable. August 23rd. I'm sorry, August 24th. It was moved to the 24th. August 24th is the first debate hosted by Fox in Milwaukee. What happens if Trump decides not to show? And then if Trump doesn't show and DeSantis does or does not, what happens? How does that impact things? What if they both show and, and you know, Saul shows us that David is still too small to fit in his armor? What if they both show and David shows us that Saul has kind of lost his fastball and it's somebody else's turn? to go and represent the people in the Valley of Elah now. I mean, there are way too many variables, man. There's just way too many. What, what, if, what if there is a, what, well, when there is a Fed indictment over J- January 6th, later this year, what happens if they offer Trump a plea, a plea bargain? He can get out of all these indictments. They'll make them all go away if he agrees to never run for national office again. I don't know. Do I, do I think Trump would take that deal? I'd have no idea. I don't know. I mean, the guy ended marriages when it was, when it was convenient for him. He filed multiple bankruptcies when it was convenient for him. So I, I have no idea what the odds are. I just know given his moral history, they're not zero. So there's just way too many variables here to, to I think, predict that. Agreed. So, so. Agreed. Next up, we go to Wake Up Normie Norm. Calvin Coolidge is the most underrated American president. I don't think this is a bad take at all. I could buy it for sure. It's a pretty common take. It's as become well. more common yeah. on the right in recent years, and people have even written books along these lines. Yes. But yeah, but I think to the, to the to the wider, even the wider Republican voter, let alone the broader American, um, ele- you know, electorate. 
I think he's still largely a nondescript figure. So I'll buy it. Sure. Sure. James Lloyd. Buy, sell, or hold. Carrie Lake as a public figure in 2023. Well, as much as I hate to say this, based on what I just pointed out, I mean, her book is a bomb. I don't know how else to describe it. And I, I don't really quite know why. You know? Um, I mean, I, I know why her detractors wouldn't buy it. But, you know, I, I know she doesn't have... She's not getting the media exposure that Stacey Abrams was given. And I'm not drawing a moral equivalency, by the way, between, just to reiterate this one more time, there is no moral equivalency between whatever the hell went on there in Maricopa County and Stacey Abrams claiming that she got robbed of an election she lost by over 50,000 votes. All right, that, that, that's, there's no equivalence. Stacey Abrams, guys, lost Georgia to Brian Kemp in 2018 by more votes than Donald Trump lost the presidency in the three decisive states to Joe Biden allegedly okay it's they're not morally equivalent on any level whatsoever (laughs) regardless of what you think about each of these women so yes she's not being given someone whose opinion i really respect i asked them this question over the weekend and and i thought they had a good answer she's not getting all the platform exposure that stacey abrams was given i mean she was on msnbc cnn hell she was on one of the gay trek shows okay that's true, and that's a major factor for sure. But she's at least got the platform of Trump's list, I have to believe. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 anybody puts me on a political list, even candidates I like, it goes into my spam folder right away so I never see it ever again. I, I would like to know, have any of you guys in, my, in our audience gotten notes if you're on the Trump list for buy Carrie Lake's book? Because if not, if, if that's not, if that's not happening, if I'm Carrie Lake, I'm probably going to... Uh, the big man uh, office uh, there is his corner suite, wherever he's holed up there at Mar-a-Lago and say, hey, uh, give me some sugar. All right. You can't at least uh, hook girlfriend up with a email blast, you know, to your 30 million people on your email list. I can't even get an email blast. Nothing. You know, I mean, that's I, I doubt that he hasn't. I'd be shocked if they've not marketed her book to their list. Um, but her book is a bomb. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a bomb. I will guarantee you she was given a an advance greater than what Daniel Horowitz and I were given for a book that made bestseller lists. So I, I think you have to sell this based on on this example, which I'm not necessarily happy to say, but I go where the data goes and the data is saying, sell. Carrie Lake is a public figure. I will narrowly buy not because i reject any of that but if she's and it bothers me that if she's basically living in florida now is this true i have no idea okay I, I don't, I, you know what my long-standing yeah. thing is anything anonymous from or about trump and and what's going on with him i just don't pay attention to and reject it all i mean if it vice president doesn't make sense for, for multiple reasons but if she's ingratiated herself this deeply into the Trump storyline going forward until this until the Trump line dies it doesn't seem like she's dead unless he, it's clear that he has cast her aside so I'm simply buying that for the same reason we um, we sold on the two versus two I just think she's in the game one way or the other even if this book isn't selling she's like just attached to him well then if you, if that's your premise then you're then what does that say about 
Trump's marketability. No, I, I mean, shouldn't she have benefited from that? Yes. Yeah. No, well, I, I, you're, I, I love the math of your, that previous uh, segment, the multiple ways of me- measuring Trump's true uh, viability and um, legacy. But I, I, I just think she's, she's managed, even though she lost uh, uh, that um, election and hasn't been able to gain any purchase uh, either in the courts or in a lot of other places. It's just, she's, because Trump's the weather and she's apparently very Trump adjacent, she's the weather too right now. And I'm just not going to write off her play. Can you, if he if he ends up winning, getting the nomination even, mm-hmm. can't, you, forget, can't you see her being ultimately the press secretary? Being in I that could see position, something like that. Mouth yeah. of Sauron. Yeah. I, mean, I, think really. she, I think she'd be incredible, yeah. actually. So, which is why. Yeah. I, I, I want to go back and just reiterate. I would be stunned if, if Trump has not marketed her book to his lists. And if he hasn't, that really is a douche move. Oh, okay? of course. I mean, you, you take care of your own in yes. politics, man. Well, All right. And that woman has ca- more than. And that's frankly one of the reasons she's got detractors. She has carried more than her share of water for Donald J. Trump. Yes. To, she's at least earned and merited in exchange a, a blast out to Trump's email list for her book. And so I'd be stunned if he's not done that. Stunned. I mean, I, I just I would be stunned because it would just it would just it, it would just be a douche move. And. um. There's no excuse for it. You honor your own. You take care of your own. Next, we go to Twit Madness. Rick Grinnell is now Trump's Sonny Corleone. He's bye. He thinks he is anyway, or he's, <laughs> he's, he's putting himself in that position. But yeah, bye. Sure. Yeah. Sir Grego the Unvaxxed. Can, <laughs> buy, sell, or hold. Can y'all discuss the fact that Ron D looks like the perfect candidate, like he has been, for lack of a better phrase, groomed to run for president, saying and actually doing Trump-type things, all the while being just too perfect? Buy, sell, or hold. Can we all discuss that? This, oh, I got to sell on that. This reminds me of Ted Cruz is sleeping with all these women after months of pointing out he lacks charisma. So he's socially awkward and doesn't have charisma, Ron DeSantis, but he's he's too polished and perfect. It, both of those things just simply can't be true. All right, one of them can be, you know. I mean, I I, I mean, you you are. I I, I just I don't I, understand the um, the I I just I, I really don't understand this. I don't know how to respond to it. I, I, I don't want to be mean. I just think it's really dumb. And I don't know what to say in response other than I just think it's really dumb. I don't know what to tell you. I think it's just dumb. He's not a facade. The red wave happened in Florida. It actually happened, guy. He played the games. He actually played the game. He's not some prospect who, you know, played at Podunk somewhere and you don't really know. No, he played the game in the place that Steve said is like, you know, the margins for error are this narrow. And he won by how many points again, Steve? When everybody less than forty thousand votes. Oh, you mean, in, you mean in twenty twenty two? Oh, yeah. twenty points. And he like won sixty four. And the average margin of Biggest, victory in Florida, going back twenty five years, uh, no matter 50, who's involved, 50 is like, year, the last fifty years of presidential elections in Florida. The average margin of victory is four and a half yeah, points. Yeah, guy, come on, man. I I think, and even if this is true, then. Again, this you're saying that your boy Trump is so gullible that he got completely uh, 
nimrodded into endorsing Ron DeSantis and sending him into legitimacy as the Republican nominee for governor. I just there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a there's a very simple message for supporting Donald Trump over Ron DeSantis that doesn't have to you don't have to project or cast aspersions on someone that has done a hell of a lot of good for your belief system. And Ron DeSantis, whether you want to, whether you think he's the right presidential nominee or not, I, I don't understand why you would, the eagerness to defecate on someone's accomplishments that are in your favor. It, how about just simply this? The two greatest culture war issues of, of the last generation were affirmative action and, and abortion. Donald Trump's judges ended both of them in our time and our site ended them both. He had the most successful foreign policy record we have seen since the collapse of the Cold War. They stole the last election from him. And I don't I don't agree with the persecution of what they're doing to him now. Period. I mean, I, I, like, like if I were Ron DeSantis, I'd rather argue against this than what I just said. Because what I just said kind of makes you ask yourself, what is the point then of why Ron DeSantis is even running if those things are true? You know what I'm saying? That just kind of, that chloroforms the room. Like that takes all the oxygen out of the room. This stupid crap plays right into Ron DeSantis' hands. Yes. Because he's like, these people can't win. They're nuts. They're crazy. They just jerk each other off. They're, they're, there's nothing serious happening here. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an alliance of Lindsey Graham and Laura Loomer, two groups of people no one wants. Okay, um, and 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 deserve each other, and all they all he does is taint brands. That's the whole Carrie Blake conversation we were just having. She can't sell a damn book. He won't even maybe even put out an email. I mean that that's the he wants to talk about this stuff. The other I I just you guys don't help him with that, and and you don't help yourselves in the long run with it. I mean, it, it, yeah. <laughs> The idea that I want to find reasons to dislike a guy who's done a bunch of things in the favor of my stated belief system because his name isn't Donald Trump. Alexa, why do people think I'm in a cult? There it is. Stop that. It's dumb. Don't be dumb. You don't have to be dumb. There's legitimately smart reasons to support Donald Trump again. Don't be dumb. Stop it. Next, Alexander Rogers. Bruce Jenner is quickly becoming an albatross for the Trump campaign, and any spin about women's sports will fall on deaf ears. He should, but won't, jettison the transvestite immediately. Oh, I think he's clearly an albatross. Clearly. Um, and I, but I'm going to sell because I won't rule out that he won't jettison him. I won't rule that out at all. Again, I, I mean... You jettisoned a couple wives. You filed multiple bankruptcies. This, 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 Donald Trump does not have a history of, of falling on his sword for what he deems to be lost causes. Um, his history is actually the exact opposite. So I, I could absolutely see Bruce uh, getting the pole vault out of Mar-a-Lago for sure. So I'll sell. Yeah, Alexander, obviously smart uh, guy, but I'm, I'm selling because think about this the way we talk about him and not willing to pivot at all on vaccines. He, he has a mission here. Like he's, he's really not that extreme at all. No. You know? And so the, he's, um, he's, he's art, he's art of the dealing here. He's not. And that, he's, that's, that's what, that's, that's the, that's the frustration is this is the one outlier. He has shown more devotion. 
He has shown Donald Trump has shown more devotion to the poison poke than he has shown um, than he showed the mother of his own children. All right. So that tells you this is a deep abiding conviction. It's not just I am, uh, you know, it's it, there's no art of the deal. He has fashioned a narrative within his own imagination that he saved all these people and doesn't want to consider the alternative that he really didn't come up with. The, he's not the Winston Churchill of COVID. Because what's out of character is that. Well, Stevie, you're always complaining you won't admit when he's wrong. He, not admitting when you're wrong, but continuing to play losing hands are two totally different things. You know what I'm saying? Like, you cannot admit mm-hmm. when you're wrong yeah. and just memory hole something and do something else the next day that you know will work. That Trump does all the time. And take it from someone who said on many a strategy call, trying to figure out how to oppose Donald Trump, his willingness to do that makes him very hard to beat because he will nail Jello to a wall. He will just completely abandon a position that doesn't work, never, never acknowledge that it didn't work. And then have a new position the next day and then just gaslight you like you never had the former position. It is nailing jello to a door. To a door. All right. So that not admitting you're wrong is not the same as staying with a losing hand. Those are two totally different things. He doesn't almost ever do that. One exception. One time and since his public life, since he came down from the escalator in 2015, there has been one time we have seen Donald Trump stick with a losing hand. What is it? COVID in the jab. The only time. The only time we've seen him do it. And I think in this case, that's a matter of conscience. I just think he doesn't want to consider the alternative of the disaster. His ego won't allow him to consider the alternative that was the disaster of his decision-making process then. Next up, Auburn Tiger 89. The number of LGBTQ plus characters in the Netflix Chronicles of Narnia reboot, first season only. He's going with over three. Buy, sell, or hold. So, for those of you that don't know what this is yeah, about... I cannot believe this is happening. Yes, I can. What Anna, my daughter, Anna, sent this to me yesterday. I thought she was trolling me. Okay. But the, uh, the feminist filmmaker that is coming out with the Barbie movie here in a couple of weeks was just hired by Netflix to do is it two of the uh, Narnia movies they're going so. to do. Yeah. yeah. Is there a single industry in this world right now that is trying harder to lose money than Hollywood is? Like, just... Lighting it on fire like the Joker, Heath Ledger's Joker, just piling money and lighting it on fire. Disney is Disney's we're halfway through the year. Disney's lost a billion dollars at the box office already this year. By itself. I mean, (laughs) I will say I will take the under three. I'm taking the over. I'm going to take the under because it'll be one central figure that they will agitprop annoyingly but they they won't make it mm. they won't flood the zone uh lucy will be trans uh edward or and or 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 edward will be gay and that's why he was rejected uh by his siblings and 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 had he felt isolated had there nowhere go. to go and there had to go, go to yeah. the white witch uh and and was deceived to go to her to get the affirmation and acceptance for his sexuality he has long craved yeah, but you got the menagerie of animals and things like that. It's gonna be, it's gonna be rough, and intentionally so. Uh, next top ten. This is from Pumpkin Cat ten thirty one. Top ten U.S. historic places every family should visit. Number ten, Mount Rushmore. All right, I'm gonna buy and sell on the basis of whether I have any interest. Okay. okay. Mount Rushmore. All right. Bye. Bye. I've been there. I have interest. Yeah. I've been there too. The Alamo. I don't really have any interest. So. Been there. 
Number eight, Pearl Harbor. I have interest. Plus, it's in Hawaii. Bye. Uh, bye. Uh, number seven, Kennedy Space Center. Bye. I've been there. Really cool place. Bye. The D.C. area, Arlington Mall, Mount Vernon. Been there. Bye. Yeah. Uh, bye been for there. sure. Yep. Yeah. New York City, Lady Liberty, Ellis Island, 9-11. Been there. Bye. bye. I, I, I loved pre-COVID New York City. I could never imagine living there, but I loved. When, when business got to got, let me go to New York City, I loved it. Number four, Virginia Tidewater area. That's Jamestown, Williamsburg, Yorktown. Been there. Excellent. Bye. Never been there. Like if I was driving through, cool, but I'll sell. I mean, I'll, that's not like I, that's a place I think I'm going to make a trip to. Number three, Philly, Independence Hall, Liberty Bell, Valley Forge. I would, I've never yeah. been there, would like to. I will buy that. Bye. Yeah. Number two, Boston area. That's Freedom Trail, Plymouth, it, Salem. I, that was incredible. I've never Bye. been there. My son loved it, though. I don't really care. I'll sell. And number one, Gettysburg. That's a good, yes. that's a solid buy. buy. Yeah. Love to go there. Yep. Watch Next. some of that movie this, this past weekend they were on it. Yeah, again, yeah. just incredible. Next, we go to AF McGriddle. Def Leppard's Hysteria is the greatest rock album of all time. <sighs> all the songs are hits. The album is perfectly composed and never gets old. The band remains at the height of success, currently in the midst of a wildly successful international tour. I don't know what the rest of that is. Buy, sell, or hold, Hysteria, oh, greatest I, rock album of all time. I, I actually will buy that, that, that you could at least make the, the case. When you look at the total number of sales, longevity, the amount of hits, um, and the album does still hold up. I mean, that album came out in 1987. It holds up to this very day. I will buy. I mean, I wouldn't rank it number one, but I don't think it's nuts or crazy I can't either. This, this, that just happened. Wow. Wow. It, it's... It's not saying it sucks to say that I know. it's not clearly num- it's clearly not number one, but I like this guy. I mean, it's it, it is it is one of the seminal albums of that decade for sure. That's not even debatable. And to me, if you're in that true. conversation, then you're in the conversation somewhere for greatest album ever. You, this is only like a this is only a genre that goes back to the 1950s. You know, so if you're in the if you're in the conversation with album of the decade, then you're then you are somewhere in the conversation for greatest album ever. I mean, it wouldn't be my greatest album of all time. I'd have Dark Side of the Moon higher. I'd have, I'd have Abbey Road higher. I'd have Back in Black certainly higher. Okay. But I don't think it's a crazy take. I don't. All right. I'm selling. Next, Boyd Lankford says, y'all are looking forward to the first primary debate more than the start of college football oh, sell. season. Completely sell. No. <laughs> no. I'm expecting that debate to be extremely dumb. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting a lot of dumb. What is... Y- what is your basis for saying that, Steve? Because everything else has been dumb leading, pretty much dumb leading up to it. Yeah. I'm looking f- more forward to the debate than the start of college football oh, I'm season. Not. I mean, I'm, I know I'm what not. I know what I'm going to get at the start of college football season. Same I get every other college football, which it doesn't mean it's bad, it's, but it's predictable. This is not a predictable debate. All right, we'll come back. When we do, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation will be here with us. Stay tuned. Back here on the Steve Day Show, make sure you talk to our friends over at Constitution Wealth Management. No longer do your principles and your portfolio have to be at odds. They have already helped align $10 million of wealth within our audience since they came on board with, uh, with our values and it can help you make your wealth, your prosperity, a weapon that both is a profit 
and makes a profit at the exact same time. If you want to learn how to do that, uh, they can help you uh, at constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. Book an appointment today. Get your retirement investments aligned with your values at constitutionwealth.com slash Steve. These guys are really smart and they want to make sure that you're not just making investments based solely on materialistic concerns, but that you are um, addressing your primary uh, concerns, your moral concerns as well. ConstitutionWealth.com slash Steve. Again, ConstitutionWealth.com slash Steve. I just saw this story, guys. And uh, this is from Politico yesterday. All right. And, and our, our, the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation, Daniel Horowitz, is here with us. So, Daniel, indulge me for a second because this goes to what I was saying, talking about earlier in the show. According to the RNC's guidelines, in order to count for debate qualifying, polls have to survey at least 800 likely primary voters or caucus goers. But that criteria isn't just strict, it's unrealistic. As the 51-day qualifying period begins on Saturday... A review of 538's database of GOP primary polling nationally and the four early carve-out states, get this now, shows only two of the 70 polls conducted have a sample that would meet these requirements. So I asked last hour, because people are telling me, Steve, why don't we just tell your audience this thing is over, move on. And I I asked last hour, if it weren't for public polling, By what other metric would I assume Donald Trump has a commanding lead in this race? And I went through several of those areas where I went to look, Google Trends, other things. Only two of the 70 primary polls in the 538 database in this cycle would actually meet the criteria for qualification to be considered by the RNC to determine whom will actually be on the debate stage. And what is the criteria? 800-person sample. That's it. An 800-person sample. That is it. And only two of the 70, only two of the 70 meet this criteria. This week's Fox News poll, 391 was the sample. 391 people is the sample. Not even half, or a little more than half of, no, not even half, what the RNC is asking for. That's incredible. That is absolutely incredible. The NBC News poll that everybody talked about last week, and I was laughing because everybody wanted to talk about the NBC News poll, even though it had bad news for everybody. Bad news for Trump, bad news for DeSantis, bad news for Biden, bad news for Democrat. Bad news. Everybody got bad news in the NBC poll, but everybody picked out what was in their narrative to, to, to discuss it. 500 people is the sample. The CBS poll that had the same, almost the same amount of Republicans are only thinking of Trump and are never thinking of Trump in this primary, 586 people doesn't count. USA Today published a poll with a, with a sample of 245 people. That's incredible. I hadn't even thought to look at that. So I'm going to say something I've probably not said in about 10 years. That is really good reporting by Politico. And it will probably not be said from my lips anytime soon, again, in the forthcoming isn't, time. Isn't this basically polling just an extension of... What's happened to journalism 
increasingly bare bones, not spending a lot of money, doing it quick and slipshod, all in service ultimately of a narrative. Yeah. It's the same thing, isn't yeah, well, it? Well, at the very least, with these anemic sample sizes, you could make that case. Yeah. Do I know it? Do, I, do, I, do we know the motivations and the hearts and minds of everybody involved? No. But at the very least, you open yourself up to questions like this. Yeah. All right, let's bring in the weekly prophet of woe and lamentation. Not what I intended to talk to you about today, Daniel, but I'd be remiss if I did not get a quick take from you on what we were just discussing. Go ahead, sir. Well, Steve, it probably is tied into what you want to talk about indeed. Why would they want to do a PSYOP? I mean, I think if you look at the DeSantis ad on the Bruce Jenner stuff, uh, which is kind of like the top of your shirt today, mm-hmm. then I think, and then you look at the response to it, I think it's pretty obvious why they would be motivated to engage in a PSYOP. I think, look, the bottom line is this. You want to pick out a poll, everyone's going to cherry pick this and that. CNN poll recently showed that 80% of Trump voters would be open to voting for DeSantis. People just haven't tuned in yet. Uh, it doesn't mean he's not the front runner. I think he is the front runner, but he's the front runner in the sense of every other establishment candidate, which he is the establishment candidate that by default, unless you dislodge that guy, he has the most numbers, which he clearly does. But in the early states, even if you look at the polling, Trump's around 41 percent in the first three states. So the majority do want to move on from him. And the thing about Trump is this, and this is why he's worried, because, you know, if he takes the polls face value, why does he care? Why is he beclowning himself with all of these uh, psychotic reactions to DeSantis? A lot of it is because it's because of the potential energy. It doesn't mean it's going to turn kinetic. But most other insurgent candidates don't have the money or the organization and name ID to dislodge the, the incumbent establishment. Can't, Meaning that they, the they couldn't possibly sustain the momentum over a long yeah. campaign to pull that off. Only so one guy a, probably has those fundamentals. Not saying he he's going to be able to do it, but he's the only one that comes close to showing the fundamentals to pulling that off. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, A, DeSantis has the potential, and B, Trump is more of an 800-pound gorilla in the room than you can ever get in a race. So what does that mean? That means that the minute DeSantis does draw even with him, it's game over. In other words, once Trump goes down below a certain point, and again, he already is in the low 40s in the early states, but you get him into the low 30s, it's extremely unlikely he's going to make up that ground as opposed to two kind of even new candidates you could seesaw back and forth. It's unlikely that's going to happen. Now, you're three weeks out and you're still seeing these numbers. That's a different story. But, Steve, what are we talking about? Well, this is over the summer before we even have the debates, before people pay attention be, uh, you know, after Labor Day. So, again, I do think he's the front runner. But to say it's over is just ridiculous. Let's get to the two issues I, I, I did intend to discuss with you. First, we were sitting here on Friday last week and realized we had completely forgotten to plan our annual Independence Day show. And then we looked at each other and just really didn't have the energy to plan our annual Independence Day show for when we came back. And I was on the podcast with our Blaze colleague, Oron McIntyre, on Monday when we were off, pointing out how my 80s were America suck at jingoism is all but gone. And it's totally gone, frankly. 
I, I mentioned to the audience at the top of the show, last year's Independence Day show was the first time I felt like I had to force it and contrive it because I certainly wasn't feeling it after what my country tried to do to me over the last couple of years. Um, and, and do you think we made a mistake? Should we have gone forward and done our annual? Would you make the argument that maybe it's needed now, maybe even more than ever? What would you say? It is needed more than ever. And and uh, Steve, I, I did, to be fair, I, for the most part, ran a rerun of last year's show on Monday for my show. But that's because I felt we couldn't move on from that. Uh, th- there's about seven principles in the preamble of the Declaration of Independence and the intro. About, about seven principles there. And I think the most important one is the one that is the least discussed. We talk about our rights, where they're derived from. But the final one is the right to throw off a tyrannical government that demonstrates a long train of abuses and usurpations. And somehow we forget about that part. And we are at the point with our government that is a much greater and more consequential level of abuses and usurpations than what King George was doing. I mean, King George wasn't forcing drag shows. He wasn't uh, invading the country. I mean, you have Border Patrol now cutting down Texas's barbed wire to bring in the illegals. He he wasn't, you know, putting gags on people's mouths and injecting people. He wasn't, uh, you know, putting pushing trannies in churches. He wasn't doing any of this. It was, it was a couple of taxes. Okay, that's what it was. Um, but the reality is they understood that you had to fight back while you still had the ability to. Mm-hmm. That is really the essence of Patrick Henry's give me liberty or give me death speech, because at the time it looked like an overreaction. But you can only react while you still can. And I think that's where we are now. We all understand the other principles of the Declaration. How do we apply that one? Um, do we even have the ability to throw it off? And I don't know the answer, Steve, but here's what I do know. We are not even doing the conventional political things that are needed and could possibly work to throw this off. Um, Obviously, I I, I caught a glimpse of of your first hour. You know, a good number of the founders died. Those who signed the Declaration died in the Revolution. Their sons died or were captured. Uh, They were captured by the British. We're not even quite yet facing that. Um, January 6th is looming large. We have a narrowing window. But on the other hand, you know, Sam Adams talked about a, a, a tireless and irate minority. I would argue we're almost the majority on a lot of these issues, and we're still not connecting. And again, that's all because of the subversive conservative movement, uh, this controlled opposition that I think the Sons of Liberty did not have back then and that's really what we have to contend with final thing i want to ask you about the decision by the federal judge yesterday that he released i don't think coincidentally on july 4th uh putting a a a universal injunction on government entities and he named several of them the fbi cia uh doj the biden administration from colluding directly with private companies like social media platforms to explicitly practice censorship in violation of the First Amendment. At the very least, the fact that he had to order that implies that it was going on. (laughs) Okay. Your reaction to that ruling and what you think it means moving forward. So it's the same reaction to my rule to my, uh, my, my take on the rulings last week with the Supreme court. 
namely a court opinions they shouldn't have this effect but they do they move the needle politically they just do they create momentum so the key is what are you going to do with that momentum that you are given so number one now that we have a judge telling us this because you know like you said it only happens if a judge tells you it happens uh that they are downright spying on us and we're not just talking about hhs we're talking about things like like seesaw under DHS, Homeland Security, basically programs that were set up to deal with terrorism was dealing with uh, setting up these NGOs, these these non-for-profit groups that would work with Facebook and Twitter to mm-hmm. take down stuff that we were putting out. Well, we have a preparation season coming up. What's What sort of funding are these agencies going to get? And these sort of programs? That's, that's question number one. I mean... October 1st is around the corner and uh, Congress is off the entire August. So what's going to happen with appropriations? That's the first thing that comes to my mind. Number two is you look at the GOP reaction and universally, I think they're all on the same side. Uh, This is outrageous that they're censoring information on genocide. But Steve, what's the bigger deal? That government committed a genocide and continues the same legal and regulatory framework to uh, expand upon that genocide or that they're censoring the information about the genocide. You get what I'm saying? In Mm -hmm. other words, they're all into the censorship. I think we all remember Nancy Mace. She revealed that she had serious injury, but it was in the context of a hearing and then like about nothing. censorship. Like imagine, imagine and, you have you have the power to do something about the fact we used to we used to have to stop our politicians from using their power to carry out petty grievances and revenge porn. Now they admit that you totally advantage took advantage of me and abused me, and like there's no follow up, follow through, and nobody does a damn thing about it. I'll give you the last word. I've got a minute. Yeah, I mean. There is no to this day, we don't have a bill ending the pandemic authorities that a president could just unilaterally declare authority for more than, let's say, 30 days without congressional approval. We don't have anything ensuring that there's no mandates. We don't have anything taking these shots off the market. We don't have anything stopping the uh, vaccine jihad that they no one knows about, but they just unleashed upon us with monkeypox and RSV and new. There's a bunch of new ones they're approving. They're working on malaria stuff. You have the WHO pandemic stuff. So in other words, use the court ruling to do stuff with, just like we talked about last week with the religious liberty ruling. Um, do something with it in the states and actually codify it. Yeah, it's not self. Courts are not self-executing especially when there are victories. Great stuff, my friend, as always. Good to have you back. See you next week. See you later. You bet. Daniel brought to you by Relief Factor. You know, we all deal with chronic pain from time to time. And Relief Factor believes it is your solution because it's an all-natural formula to attack the inflammation in your joints that is likely the culprit for why you are struggling with so much chronic pain. It's all-natural, drug-free, even though it was created by physicians who can prescribe drugs. Why? Because they saw too much inflammation and chronic pain as a result in their practices, and they created this formula to address it. And they're so confident it'll work, they offer you the three-week quick start for just 20 bucks. At relieffactor.com if you want to take them up on it. What do you got to lose for three weeks? See if you don't see a difference for three weeks and for 20 bucks. Why do they do that? Because 70% of the time people do and stick around.
relieffactor.com again relieffactor.com or you can call them 800 the number four relief 800 for relief or relieffactor.com final thing i want to address i want to go back to the polling story i just saw from politico that we mentioned aaron i'm going to go to you if if i'm if i'm if i'm the ron DeSantis campaign i am declaring open warfare on the polling industry Agreed. I mean, after what they did, I mean, he, I went and looked at the Real Clear Politics polling average, Aaron. Only two of the 29 polls of the Florida governor's race had him winning in 2018. I am declaring open war on the polling, calling BS on the whole thing. That's what I would do. Yeah, because at the ground level, and I get, again, Twitter is not real life, but on the ground, hand-to-hand combat level of these caucuses and primaries, you have to have a reason. You have to have a basis for Don, for Ron DeSantis's campaign, I think at this point, uh, to, to to push back on on the polls the way that you addressed in in the first hour, just look at look at how wrong they have been. At least in you know races that I've been into, you have to declare war. I think on these polls, otherwise people are going to be just tempted to say, "Hey, love you, love to vote for you," but there's no point to it. Yeah, I can't wait. So it's a psyop. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Quick, you want to have a quick sound? Well, and there's other polls that matter, like Ron DeSantis walking around the Iowa State Fair for five days straight. I don't know if he's going to do that while Trump does none of that. That's a poll right there. That is a poll, too. We're going to stick around, finish by, so they're holding the overtime. For Blaze TV subscribers, for the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.